Hello and welcome back to another episode of Binge List and Box Office Hits, the podcast about all things film, TV and streaming, with your host, Shannon Holiday, and me, Letitia Thomas. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Binge Lists and Box Office Hits, the podcast about all things film, TV and streaming. I am your host, Shannon Holiday, and we're joined in the studio once again with Letitia Thomas. Hey guys, how is everyone doing this week? I think everyone's doing very well. Well, in regards to me, I've been, where in the world is Carmen San Diego for the past week. I've been all around Australia and now I'm finally back home, ready to go, ready to record with you. You know, that's not a reference I understood. I had to Google it at one point. Did you really? Mm-hmm. No, it was like an old CD-ROM game from like 1995 and it yeah. was very archaic. Never had it. I was big on Freddy Fish I know and the Haunted Freddy Mansion. Fish. Oh, I know the Haunted Mansion. No, no, it was Freddy Fish, I think, and the Haunted Mansion. I don't was remember so the Freddy it. Fish part of it. Loved it so much. My grandma got it's Freddy Fish on her computer. Oh, fantastic. And she played it a lot. Did you play the 3D pinball? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think everyone did. Oh, of space course. One. I yeah. was disappointed when I had a... um. I had a really, really old laptop. Like I'm talking, mm. my uncle had fixed up a laptop so I could type school assignments. This thing was like a laptop in 2003. Like you watched season one of Supernatural, I had that laptop. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah. I was really mad when I had to like get a real laptop because it didn't have pinball. And I was like, what wow. am I going to do? What do I do now? I used to, when I was in early high school, I had a computer. Didn't really have the internet on and off because I'm quite old. It was like dial up and stuff. So you were on the internet at certain times. Whenever I was had some downtime and on the computer, I used to play Minesweeper. I taught oh, myself how to play Minesweeper. Never understood And I it. played that much of it. I used to play the expert level, used to 99 mines and stuff. Know it all. Ooh la la. I had the high no. score on the family computer of Minesweeper. <laughs> I was also really big on Solitaire. Yeah, I played a bit of Solitaire. Played Solitaire on the plane. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's just a card game. It's a bit of fun. Why not? I'm so old now that... um because I don't listen to podcasts that often, even though I have one. Uh, when I was, because I needed something to do while I was doing it, I had a pack of cards and I would play solitaire. Like, mm, like physically. Like, like physically. Physically, yeah. Yep. I've seen people do it just to pass the time. Yep. I'm it's like that knitting. It's a, a bygone era. I've been telling people I'm like an old man. Yeah. Yep. 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 Shuffle boards, everything. What? <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> So we've had a bit of a busy morning today, Tish. What did, what did we get up to? Uh, I mean, we'll we will get into what about it, but yeah. We um we went to Newmarket yes. to see Combat Wombat 2 back-to-back, yeah. um, one of the BIF screenings. Yeah, we got a chance to go see one of the Brisbane International Film Festival movies that was playing in the, I think it's the second last, no, today is the last day of, last the, day of BIF. Of BIF. Um, Obviously, I was away for most of the week around the country, so I didn't actually get a chance to see any of the other films, unfortunately. Would have liked to, and I think you were the same. I think you had work and some other commitments, so it was really hard to get out and see these things because they're in really obscure niche cinemas in Brisbane as well. Would have been good to go to, but, you know, these films will come out eventually, so we'll get to see them in their regular slotted times when they're commercially released yeah there's some that i'm very very excited for so i think next year we were talking we want to definitely allocate time to go to biff maybe take some time off work or something and really really double down really try yeah being part of it because yeah we we um we just didn't get the chance this year we knew about it we knew the lead up to it but then look it's very hard it was far hard for me to plan my life post my trip (laughs) 
that took up a lot of this yeah. year. So. And I found out I was going traveling like the week before, knowing Biff was coming up as well. But yeah, Combat Wombat 2, back to back. It was, I had a lot of fun. Did you, you watched the first one last night? Yeah, so we'll, I guess we'll get into what we've been watching. So yeah, I watched the first one last night after your recommendation of like, well, we're seeing the second one. You want to see the first one? So yep, cool. Rented it from Amazon Prime. Watched it. The animation style is phenomenal. Like it's a local Brisbane animation studio. It's all done locally, all done here. It's fantastic. It's just really heartfelt kind of movie as well. Like both of them. I'll talk about the first one first. Like obviously it's the origin story of the combat wombat. Maggie. Maggie Diggins. Maggie Diggins. And, um, you know, you get the story about how she met her partner and there was obviously they grew up together and it's an incident that happens that kind of he passes away and she has to live with that and she's kind of going through that rut. She's depressed. She's depressed. She's living in a rut. What is she eating? Is it the Bilbo it's bars or the something? Bush bars. Bush bars. Bush bars. Sorry, it's been a long time bars. since I've seen this. I actually worked on it. Yeah, which I was going to get to. But I don't end. remember a lot of it. It's been a while. You said to me in the lead up to it a couple of days beforehand, it's like, yeah, if you want to watch it, I don't think I'm credited or anything, but I did work on this film a little bit. I get to the end of the film and I'm looking through the, the credits because I'm sitting there, I'm just enjoying it. And like, it comes up with story interns and the list of names comes up. And at the bottom, it just says Letitia Thomas. And I'm like, ah, uh, hang on a minute. Pause it quickly. <laughs> and then I send you a photo. I'm like, ah, uh, you are credited. You are in this film. Yeah, I totally forgot I was credited in this one. Um, you know, I worked on it ages ago, like 2019. Yeah. I was working on these films. They did a series of three at the time and I was like straight out of uni doing some stuff with them. Um, loved it. Absolutely loved it. But yeah, I'd forgotten a lot of it. Did stuff on the script, did stuff yeah. like sort of for art department. It's hard to describe the world of animation if you're not in it. And mm. I obviously hadn't studied animation, but I'd studied film, so... I learned a lot just being in the room and it was kind of sweet watching this one and seeing all the little characters that they did. Cause I remember when they were first drawing up concept designs for a lot of these characters that they've, they've then obviously like adapted the certain animals yep. for different characters. But I remember like being in meeting rooms where they'd be like, here's what I've been working on. Yeah. Yeah. So to see it so much in later and like the sequel, it was really, really cool. Yeah, it was really good. I guess getting back to the story a little bit, obviously she's depressed. She meets this sugar glider who's working in a, a night owl, essentially. Sweetie. Called Sweetie. Very, like, eccentric, neurotic kind of character. Yeah, she ends up protecting him from, like, I guess, robbers and stuff. And then they realise they can team up and, like, be superheroes for the town. They uncover this whole conspiracy with the flightless... Feather. Ca- Feather, which is the cassowary who's, like, the superhero of the town. Uh, but there's like this subplot of like him believing he's actually saving all these people, but it's all just filmed. It's all fake. Um, and the mastermind is actually a drop bear, like a koala drop bear, which I thought was really smart. Oh, that's right. It yeah, is, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, honestly, it's been a really long time for me, but yeah. yeah. And, and like, she's, yeah. she's like a reluctant superhero yeah, yeah. and it's like in the, I guess, cinematic universe of the tales of Sanctuary City. So a lot of the characters that you see in these are in, um, the original, which is the wish mystery. Yeah. And then there's also Daisy Quokka, world's um, scariest animal. Yeah. Um, so it was fun to see, like, in this one that we just went to mm. see. Do you remember Augustus the Toad? Yeah. Yeah, he's in the first one. Oh, really? He's in Wishmas. And he was, like, one of everyone's favourite, like, characters That's in the studio when we all, like, were watching, like, the, the early stuff. Yeah. yeah, we loved him because he's just so weird. Yeah, well, I guess we'll talk about the second one back to back. I thought it was such a step up 
from the first one in terms of animation, the story was a bit tighter as well. Mm-hmm. It was like it had a clear through line of what it wanted to tell and it was just enjoyable for like I guess not just like the kids, which is what it's predominantly aimed for. Like I got something out of it too. Oh yeah, we were giggling we a were lot. We were having a good laugh. Yeah, yeah. One there. of my favourites, they had a new edition as the sort of the villain this time. Yeah. And um, he's a Steve Jobs type, but we love like a little gay villain that's sort of wholesome this time and not like, oh, like being gay is bad. It's not at that, but it's still that quintessential yeah. old school stuff that we're used to where they're sort of like queer coded villains and yeah. you just see him being like sassy and stuff. It's so much fun. <laughs> it's, He's a lizard. It's brilliant. Yeah. Chameleon. Chameleon online is the thing <laughs> they're using. Yeah. It was very well done. Very there well was done. a little, what was it? Um, Jaybird hi-fi. Yes. Funnily enough in the background, some of the buildings, you know, it's a play on actual real places. Jaybird hi-fi was one of them all yellow with the black. It was very funny. It's fun to watch stuff that's sort of, Centered for children, but is Australian. So there's all yep. these references for that us we that we get. get. Yeah, it was very cool. I yeah. I liked it. Even like the sort of jokes at like the geriatrics and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that was very good. Yeah, yeah, it was good. The walkers and stuff, very good. So if anyone's got sort of kids and they're like, oh, what can we watch that's new for children? Get on all of the Tales of Sanctuary City films, the yeah. Tales of Sanctuary City films. They're, they're a lot of fun. Yeah, same director, same studio. It's all very connected. It's very good. Uh, anything else you watched this week? Um, I finished off Living for the Dead, which was that like paranormal ghost hunting yeah, show. Yeah. Very fun. A couple of ex- episodes were like quite spooky, just with like all of the ghosts and stuff going on. Like, yeah, a lot of it like is filmed, so it has an element of being staged. But mm. the stuff that was going on, I'm like, yeah, no, this is happening. This is actually, yeah, there. and it was yeah. kind of spooky. So if anyone's interested into it, in it, like check it out definitely check it out it was a lot of fun but i didn't watch much more than a lot of mike stuff to recap for this one yeah and that's the same with me as well like i obviously watched midnight mass finished off that series the fall of the house of usher i smashed out as well within a week so but we'll get to those later when we get to the main topic but i did watch another movie when i got back off the, i got off the plane got home it was pretty late it was like 9 nine thirty. i was like i'm not gonna watch another house of usher episode because i think i had one or two left when I got here, I was like, no, I'll just put on a movie an hour and a half. Fine. And I'd flick through Disney. Cool. Haunting in Venice popped up. I was like, fantastic. I've been meaning to watch this. Do not spoil it. I'm going to watch it tonight. I'm, I've been waiting just for a minute where I can yeah. watch something new and not have not, to do research. Yeah. And I'm so excited. So this one's starring Kenneth Branagh, Kyle Allen, Camille Cotton, Jamie Duran, Tina Fey, Jude Hill, Ali Khan, and Emma Lard. And it obviously is directed by Kenneth Branagh because he's done the other two uh, Agatha Christie adapted novels as well. Mm-hmm. So this is the same thing. It is written by Michael Green, but it is an Agatha Christie adaption. Um, so basically, same thing as the other two. Hercule Poirot is, uh, you know, he's now retired after the first two. He's in the exile in uh, Venice. And one of his old friends, Cena Fey, comes into it and says, fantastic, I... I I'm a believer of seances and stuff like that now. I've seen it in my own eyes. I want you to try and uh, prove it's not true. And he goes along reluctantly and as with the same two cases beforehand, something sinister happens, someone dies, there's a slew of who could it be um, and they're locked in the house for the rest of the night and they try. he tries to work out who the killer is in the time period. And it's very, very Poirot-esque. 
movie. It's I very good. Truly cannot wait to watch this. I enjoyed I don't think I saw the first one. I never saw Midnight on the Orient Express. Midnight on the Orient Express and then Death on the Nile. I love Death on the Nile. Yeah. Yeah. I like Midnight as well. I so should watch. I just didn't Yeah. There's no reason for it. I just didn't. Watch this one and maybe go back. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's all in the same vein. It has them all like it's based around Halloween. It's the night of Halloween all Hallows Eve. So it has that spooky element to it, but it's it's similar to the other ones. It's it's a who done it. If you've been to Venice at night and you're lost, spooky as shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's all falling in the ocean. So it's just a little little it's, alley. It's just everything's a lot of an alleyway. alleyway yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah, they play on that fact as well. Yeah, it's, it gets spooky at times, but it's it's fine. You, like anyone can kind of watch this. It's not a horror. No, um, it's just that's the story take this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very good. It's worth checking out. It's on Disney Plus. Just got added as of the October 31st. Halloween. Halloween. Funny that. Yeah, interesting. Let's get into a little bit of trivia this week. Yeah, time to get into trivia. Are you going first or am I? Uh, you go first. All right. Um, now, these are like multiple choice ones this week, but I will probably just see if you can get them without multiple choice and then we'll go from there. Yep. Um, <clears throat> which movie was Spike Lee's first feature film? Do you want me to name some? Yes, because I think I do We've know got it. A, She's Got a Habit. B, Do the Right Thing. C, School Days, D-A-Z-E. Um, or D, Malcolm X. I think it's School Days. That's wrong. Uh, it's She's Got a Habit. Damn it. But a good I guess. I know it's not Malcolm X though. So I had three to choose from. But I, had, I was like, ah, oh, it's School Days. It's early. It's definitely early. Oh, that sucks. Oh, well. <coughs> I need to know more about uh, Spike Lee's... Yeah, I watched Do the Right Thing not that long ago, and oh my god, it's That's amazing! Right, you did mention that. I really want to watch like all of his stuff now. All right, your first question: Which is the first movie in the Austin Powers franchise? I need the full tagline. It's not just called Austin Powers. You know, I've not seen any of them. What? I told you, I so, <laughs> and I saw this question and I scrolled past it and didn't give it to you. Sort of looked into it. Yes, the spy who shagged me. That's the second one. That's the only title That's I know. That's the second one. So the first one, if you don't think you'll get it. I don't know any of them. Is Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. That's the first one. Spy Who Shagged Me is the second one. Third one is Gold Member. Yep, not ringing any bells. No. Yep. That's because you haven't seen them, but we'll get, you, we'll get you there. Very dated <laughs> yeah, humour. I was born in 97. Okay, yeah, no one's letting me watch that. I thought the first one's like 1996, I think. There you go. That would be why. That would be why. I think, yeah, 6, 98 or 99 and then 2001. They're very early. That would be why. That was all the third one in cinemas. I was 11. Probably inappropriate. 2001, did you say? Okay, I was four. Yeah, you're not going to go see. Probably not even four. <laughs> not going to go see <laughs> Goldmember. <laughs> nah. All right. Um, you good? Who plays the convenience store clerk seen at the beginning of Juno? Rain Wilson. Yep. Yep. I love that scene. So much. So good. Oh. I'm so glad you put that in there. Silencio, old man. I got to go pronto. I just drank my weight in Sunny tea. <laughs> yes. Wait, well, no, that was wrong. It's Silencio, old man. I say I gotta that go pronto. all no, the time. I just, no, Silencio, old man. man. I just drank my weight in Sunny tea. I got to go pronto. got to go pronto. That ain't no etch sketch. That's one doodle that can't be undid. <laughs> I'm skillet. And I'm not doing exactly like, like I can't do it. You could do the whole film. I could. Yeah. Yeah. Genuinely. Um, I think we'll... Well, we'll just tell them we're planning on doing a Halloween dress up of Juno at some point or even just dressing up because we want to. Uh, please write in and tell us to do it because I have tab saved on my phone for 
costume pieces. And I'm obviously going to be Michael Sarah's character. <laughs> no, you're going to be Juno. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be Juno. <laughs> I'll have the short shorts and the uh, orange Tic Tacs. So. Go Carol. The freshest breath. <laughs> <laughs> All right, your second question. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Moving on. What is Bill Murray's occupation in Groundhog Day? Isn't he a... What is his occupation? Mm, tricky question. Tricky question. All I can remember is the reporter, but he's not the reporter. He's not the reporter. Is he a weatherman? What, he, what are they called? A weatherman? Yeah. Is that not there's what an official, No, there's an official term. Do you want me to read it out? You've got it right. I'm going to give it to you. What is the official term? Meteorologist. Oh, okay. Well, he's <laughs> also a weatherman. Hey, Mr. Weatherman. So what do you study at uni? Being a weatherman. Yeah, well, <laughs> how many ter- times do you actually say meteorologist? meteorologist? Uh, it's infrequent. Yeah. <laughs> it's infrequent. I'm like, I don't know. Good guess for an hour. You got it right. You got it right. So you've gotten one out of two. That's very good. That's very good. Okay, your last question. Mm-hmm. What is the name of Rapunzel's pet chameleon in Tangled? Oh, oh, I have seen it. It's even in Kingdom Hearts as well. Oh. I don't know if I can name the cat though. Did you say the cat? Isn't that what you said? No. What did you I say? Said- <laughs> <laughs> I said... <laughs> name the cat in Rapunzel. I said, what is the name of Rapunzel's pet chameleon? Oh, the chameleon. Entangled. Oh, I know the chameleon. I don't know the name though as well. <laughs> I was like, there's no cat. I can't remember the cat. I can give you like. Yeah, please give me multiple choice. I feel choice. like this is cheating because you didn't give me any multiple choice for anything. Well, I didn't have any. I'll make them up. Um, Picasso. <laughs> <laughs> Pesto. Pint or Pascal. It's Pascal. Yeah, thank you. It's Pascal. I don't think you get that one. Well, no, I wasn't going to unless I had a multiple choice. Also, you thought I asked about a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a fever dream right now. Let's just move on. It's been an interesting day. <laughs> All right, let's get to your third question. Yeah, please. Cool Runnings tells the story of which country entering a bobsled team into the 1988 Winter Olympics in Calgary? Jamaica. Yes. We are Jamaica. We got the bobsled team. <laughs> <laughs> Sanka, you're dead. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. You want to kiss my lucky egg? You want to kiss my lucky egg? It's one of my favorite films. I see pride. I see power. I see a badass mother, mother who don't take, take no, no crap, crap from, from nobody. nobody. Again. <laughs> oh, I'm going to watch I that. see pride. Pride. <laughs> power. <laughs> Was it? What's the, what's the name of the law firm he's going to work at? Um, Edgar, Edgar, Edgar and Cohen. I've seen that film too many times. Oh, I Clearly. love that. I don't think I watched it until I was about 10 or 11. Yeah. And I, me and my sister. It's so good. On repeat. It's just so, such a heartfelt, fun film. Mm-hmm. And well acted. Like John so Candy good. is just, oh. just so good in it. Uh, I'm going to watch it again. If you've never seen Cool Runnings, please it's watch on it. on Disney. Watch Cool Runnings. All right. That's trivia. That was a whirlwind of fun <laughs> this, this week. <laughs> good luck editing that, Shannon. Uh, you, I've got my work cut out for me this week, I think, uh, with uh, what's going on in between our pauses as well. Moving uh, on. Anyway, into the news. So, Now You See Me 3 has been confirmed at Lionsgate. We can expect stars from the sequel. So, there's no Isla Fisher, but they'll all be reprising their roles. Unfortunately, we won't see Michael Caine because he's retired from acting. Michael Caine. Yep. 
Yeah, uh, I like these films. Me I really too. like the Now You Can See Me movies. I still don't know why. I didn't really look into it too much. Why Isla Fisher was dropped into the seat, like out of the sequel? No, I can't. Was it scheduling conflicts at the time? I think it was something like that. Like yeah. I don't think there was a big conflict. No, I, I think, think it was so just, it was just it's just not going to work out. Yeah, which was a shame because I really liked her in the first, in the first one. one. Yeah, that same. being said, love Lizzie Kaplan. Yeah, she did a phenomenal job of filling that role. Like, it's a different character, but also filling the gap. I haven't seen it. I don't think it's the second one maybe since cinemas, but I was, like, really into them. Mm. But, like, Dan Radcliffe is a little magic man. Oh, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, he played that very well. Like, the, the villain character. I think he's coming back. Is he? I think so, well, yeah. We'll probably fill the role of Michael Caine, because I'm pretty sure Michael Caine's yeah. his dad character in it. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, so he'll just be the main villain. Oh, man, I kind of want to rewatch these this week. The first one was really good story as mm-hmm. well. I thought it was awesome. So, check them out if you haven't seen them. Now you see me. Three is coming out. Three. Uh, Marvel is in hot water with so many release dates shuffled, box office flops, and overall flooding their audience with films and TV to keep up with the studio. So they've really got some issues at the moment, and it looks like they are not sure where to go at the moment. They had a recent retreat. I saw that uh, in a recent article that they've taken away everyone, all the studio execs in that. Uh, Kevin Feige was obviously there, and they're really looking at what the issue at the moment is with Jonathan Majors' character and whether or not to proceed in using him in the future Avengers movies. Yeah, and I see the problem as well with the writer's strike was that they weren't able to rewrite a lot of the stuff, so they doubled down on it with Loki. Yeah. So the stuff that they've put out basically has him still as their villain, but they don't yeah. want to continue because no. it's not working super well. No, obviously he's got a legal battle against him that's about to take place, I think, in November of this month. Uh, like about mid mid month. So whether or not he's convicted or not, he's he's not exactly a great look for the brand at the moment. So they're not sure of whether to continue down the path of using him as Kang as the main villain as the next three phases as they're getting into the end of the uh, Avengers. So they're really trying to work out if they can pivot away from him, especially with Loki coming out and doubling down on it. The last episode's not out yet, but apparently, according to a source it still does kind of double down as he being the major arc villain. So they're really just trying to come up with the ideas. Now I read somewhere and I think you did as well that they're just spitballing at the moment, but they're trying to possibly bring back the original Avenger characters that have passed away or have been written out of the series, the MCU to essentially bring back some of that goodwill. Yeah. And that's sort of going, Oh, we could kind of get away with it. Cause in comic book, you can't, it happens. You know, they bring them back different. Oh, what do you call it in the Revival? thing? Yeah, but they have different universes and stuff. Oh, within, multiverse. Yeah, multiverse They're, stuff. Yeah, they can do it by the multiverse, essentially. So, I don't know. Look, I think they're going to have trouble doing that as well. It's going to cost them a ton of money. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys have finally got out of 10-year contracts. Mm-hmm. They're allowed to go play, essentially, and do whatever the hell they want. I think it's going to be hard to get someone back. Look at Robert Downey Jr. with, one, how much he costs. Yeah. Two, he's gone on to do, like, Really great cinematography, like cinema movies now, like just on in, Oppenheimer. Yeah, Oppenheimer. Probably be up for an Academy Award. Scarlett Johansson's been famously in a lot of indies her whole career. I don't think she's going to go back to being Black no. Widow. She had her her film she eventually. Had a, she had her time. Yeah, in the sun, and she's that. like, I'm older now. Yeah, well, like I don't want to be playing Black Widow my whole life. She was in her twenties when she started. Yeah, the first this well, she was started off in the second. Iron Man. Iron Man, which is it's coming up to like 15 years ago. Yeah. Wild, right? Like, yeah, they're done. They're, their time like, is done. They're like, we've done this now. We kind of 
one hour and careers back essentially. But that's the issue with where it's going. It's just it's not sustainable to have that mu- that goodwill c- to continue. And the new characters just aren't as lovable Mm-mm. anymore. Like Shang Shang Chi was okay. I like that one. Yeah. But then when you get you have to commit people to watching a lot of TV shows for the new characters, it's just not that good. It's the quality wasn't there. The characters weren't fantastic that they added. No, they had a real magic with the first ones because they weren't trying to do something. Yeah. They were just like, let's make a few good films, see if they land. They landed. They did extremely well. We've all seen them do extremely well. Yeah. But we all committed for 10, 15 years. No one wants to commit for another 10, 15 for no. something that's not going to feel as special as the original no. stuff they did. The conclusion in Endgame just felt so finite and perfect. Yeah. And then you try and continue that past that. It's like... No, I had my closure. Yeah, I don't want to watch this all again. I don't want to keep going through this. I'm tired now. It's it's yeah. When they say it's fatigue, it's fatigue. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting to see where MCU goes. Obviously, Loki's about to finish on TV. Pretty sure as of next week, as of Wednesday, will be the last episode, and then I'm pretty sure Echo is coming out in December. I'm fairly certain, which is the next TV show. Oh, okay. And um, the Marvels is coming out next week in movie theaters. Yeah, they're not predicting. They're already, they're already expecting it not to do well. Which is a shame. I don't like seeing things not do well. But at the same time, I don't think any of the executives in any of these big studios know how to read the room. No. No, I think that they're too far removed at the moment. So on to the next and bringing us into today's episode topic. Mike Flanagan's next project is an adaption of Stephen King's book, The Life of Chuck. It's a short story. Um, so he stressed to fans that this one is not going to be a horror, but it's going to be a drama because he wants to explore some new stuff, which I think is a pretty genius move. And as we'll get into it, Mike likes to do new stuff. Um, they've announced some cast members and they've included some newcomers, including, and our favourite, Shannon's getting excited here, Matthew Lillard yeah. um, and Harvey Gillen. So obviously fans of Mike's work can expect to see a ton of familiar faces. Yeah. Um, pretty much if you've seen them somewhere else in his work, you can expect to see them again. I'm excited. Yeah. And yeah, that's it. It's exciting because he does draw upon the same cast members from previous you know, works and it does. They, they're they able to adapt very easily to new characters. It's it's great to see. Stephen King's work, it should be interesting to see. Obviously, he writes very rich books, mm-hmm. stories, and Mike Flanagan's ability to direct that is also, yeah, very, very good. So It's inter- outmatched, to, to be honest. I honestly, yeah, he, he the way he does, I would say the horror genre in a se- like series horror, unmatched mm-hmm. uh, uh, absolutely unmatched and yeah as we will get into a second his filmography yeah and series and stuff we'll break down what, what he's known for and what he does best mm-hmm. so i have been a fan of mike for a while now um got into it with the haunting of hill house and then sort of worked my way back through his stuff and then forward kind of as stuff was releasing i know shannon's are you like a new fan sort I, of i'm mike a new Lattigan? fan absolutely so i've I've only just seen the new two, the two new ones, so Midnight Mass and the Fall of the House of Usher. Yep. And I've seen a little bit of A Haunting of Hill House. I just haven't finished it yet. It, it was a lot to watch in a couple of weeks, um, but I can understand. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about a lot of them because I've seen most of his work. Yep. Um, I'll be sort of easy on some spoilers so that there's still it's still special for everyone to watch, yep. um, but I will kind of talk about some of the things that I liked in each of them mm-hmm. and and why I think you should watch it if you're interested in that without giving away the really exciting bits that make it worth watching. Yeah, you definitely can. Um, yeah. So I'm going to gonna be careful about this, but 
Let's get into it pretty yeah. much. Um, he did a couple things in the early days. He did a f- short film Oculus, which I've not seen, but that's what inspired his 2013 Oculus film. Um, I watched this. I don't remember a lot of it because, like I said, I watched it like three, four years ago. Yeah, um, yeah. But this one's starring Karen Gillan, Brendan Thwaites, who's a Cairns boy, actually. Yeah, um, no, I've seen him in a lot of things, yeah. Kate Siegel, who is Mike's now wife, um, and Katie Parker, another actress that's in a ton of stuff. So this was directed by Mike and it was written by Mike, Jeff Howard and Jeff Seedman. And this is about a woman who's trying to exonerate her brother who was convicted of murder by proving that the crime that was committed was by a supernatural phenomenon. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, a couple bit of interesting trivia bits. Apparently, if Mike had done this in the style of paranormal activity, he could have had it made as early as 2006. Yeah, because paranormal activity was everywhere at yeah. the time. But he was like, nope, I don't want to do it. Mm. So he didn't. And this one, Oculus, is a lot to do with mirrors and people in the mirror. Yeah. So you can see this mirror in a ton of his other work because he likes to really throw in easter eggs from previous yeah Yeah. he's a guy that really cares about filmmaking Mm -hmm. and he likes to give his fans everything back that he can which is why he did hill house and bly manor on dvd and he's trying to get everything else on dvd but stews what they want but he likes to give you special features the whole shebang and then after that one i watched one of my favorite ones of his actually is hush 2016 so that's starring Kate Siegel um, as the lead, Josh Gallagher Jr., Samantha Sloyan, who you see in a bunch of his other ones as well. Um, and this one's directed by Mike and it's written by Mike and Kate. Kate Siegel, his, his partner, wife. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's the story of Maddie, a deaf and mute writer who retreated into the woods to live a solitary life and she must fight for her life in silence when a masked killer appears at her window. I'm very excited for this one. I'm going to look for it. I've been wanting to watch this one for – I was trying to find it this whole week. On any streaming services or anything, I think it used to be on Netflix back in the it's day. It's got taken off. Yeah. yeah, I will see if it's cheap to physically buy or something. I'll I'll pick it up. I do want to see it. Um, I love this yeah. one. I got a um like a memory on my like socials not that long back of me watching it, and it made me so sad. This film, not because it's like sad, but just this idea of a character who can't scream for help. Yeah, who can't hear him coming. So you, you can be sitting there watching him advance on her. And she doesn't do anything. But she doesn't know because she can't see him. It is so brilliantly That's crazy. Yeah, that'd be done. eerie. Yeah, and really Samantha well Sloyan is like her neighbour who's like yeah. a good friend. So she's in it to sort of begin with and then she goes off and, yeah, it's fun. Kate's a writer in this and she's seen writing a book which will then later be Midnight Mass. Midnight yeah. Mass. Um, there's only 15 minutes of dialogue that's heard in this film. Because obviously a lot of them, she's deaf. So she can't hear the killer talking yeah, to her. Yeah, it's one of those films where it's like the actions speak a thousand words essentially in this film. Mm-hmm. So they conceived this film on a date in 2014. They later got married around the same year as it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just such a good it film. It means a lot to them. I think yeah. now they've sort of talked about it or Kate's talked about it and been like, it was 2016, very different. Now maybe I shouldn't have played the deaf and mute character because mm. you give it to other people that are... It's, it was Definitely. a different time and place, yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's so good. And her performance in it is amazing. So I think if she's, you haven't seen she's it. She's standout in a lot of Mike Flanagan, actually. Which is crazy because I was watching an interview this week just so that I could get some stuff to talk about. Mm. Her parents never took her seriously. They were sweet. They are lovely. Mean? Like her acting? As an actor. No, really? It wasn't until Midnight Mass that they went, 
Oh, you're oh, pretty good. She's doing this. Oh, you're pretty. Oh, okay. I guess you're all right. Yeah, because they'd just be like, oh, let her be, let her be Kate. She's going to go off and do all this stuff. She's already in movies and like two other series. I by know. Then. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine having parents so like that? It's like oh, I'm sorry, not good enough. I've I've made it into Netflix and Hollywood, but uh, I guess it's not I don't until think you it was like that one. with her mum and stuff. But that's yeah, that's just kind though. of they were just like you know because her family were like lawyers and doctors and stuff, and she went. No one from her town like just went off and became an actress. Yeah, and obviously it took her a long time to I would have become well known. Years um, lead up to get to into just these things, her yeah. life and stuff. But yeah, it's interesting. That's crazy. It's like oh. Oh, I guess you're making a really good – oh, we're proud of you now. Yeah, literally. Midnight Mass in 2019. Are mm-hmm. you kidding me? Oh, my God. That's yeah. hilarious. Um, so then they went on – well, Mike went on to do Before I Wake, which is not one I've seen, I don't think. No, I, I've seen I've seen the cover. I yeah. know which one it is. So it's got Kate Bosworth, Thomas Jane, Annabeth Gish, who's in a ton of them, and also Jacob Tremblay, Tremblay who the, is in a lot of them as well. Yeah. Directed by Mike, written by Mike and Jeff, who did a couple just before. Yep. Yeah, haven't seen that one. Can't talk on it much. Then we've got um, Ouija or Ouija, depending where you're from, Origin of Evil, yep. 2016. So he had three horror films come out the same year. Yeah, he's very well known for the yeah. horror genre. Mental. Yeah. But yeah, so this one's starring Elizabeth Reeser, which we've seen in a ton. Lulu Wilson, again, we've seen her. Henry, we've seen him. Yep. Kate, a lot of his same crew. He uses them all the time. Jeff Howard even. As Jeff a Howard writer, as a writer. Besides him, yep. Yeah. So this one is a film in 1967 Los Angeles, a widowed mother and her daughters add a new stunt to bolster their seance scheme. Sorry, seance scam business yeah. by inviting an evil presence into their home, not realizing how dangerous it is. Ooh. Didn't love watching this one. Made me deeply uncomfortable. I wouldn't have watched But this it was one. good. Yeah. Mm. You and seances. Not a fan. Not a, not a good connection. I see a lot of stuff. I don't want to invite bad ones. No, no. I can I can see why this one would have been a bit of an issue. But yeah, this one was a prequel to the 2014 film Ouija or Ouija. Um, and yeah, yeah. what I found was super interesting was though it was shot on film, Mike used various techniques to make it feel as though it was shot on film like they did in the 60s. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah like just a bunch of the old techniques and equipment. See, that's what I love about good directors. Mm-hmm. It's like using that to make the feel of the film be in the era that it's set in rather mm-hmm. than, oh, just put up a little like sepia tone difference, yeah. you know, on top of it. Yeah, he really knows what he's doing yeah. and he he cares. And I think like, you can tell in everything he makes yeah, how much he loves it and it comes through and it makes for like good film and TV. Absolutely. Especially when we get to the Netflix series, well, I'll actually chime in a little bit more. Yeah, I think he really hits his stride yeah. in those. So then it brings us to Gerald's Game. Oh, I do um, see 2017, this. starring Carla Gugino. Again, we've seen her in a ton. Yep. Bruce Greenwood, we're going to see him a lot. Henry Thomas, Kate Siegel, directed by Mike, written by Mike, Jeff, Jeff Howard, Howard, and obviously Stephen King as a original writer. adaption. Yep. yep. Um, so it's a couple tries to spice up their marriage in a remote lake house. After the husband dies unexpectedly, the wife is left handcuffed to their bed frame and must fight to survive and break free. Yeah, I I know the premise of this one. I haven't seen it yet, been meaning to. It's in my list of films mm-hmm. to watch on Netflix. And yeah, I didn't realise it was a Mike Flanagan until recently, I think, when mm-hmm. you saw it, like, we were discussing, oh, we've got to do a Mike Flanagan week. I'm like, yeah, fantastic. And then he's like, have you, you're like, have you seen Gerald's game? I'm like, no, I've been meaning to. And you're like, it's one of his films. I'm like, oh, f- far out. Like, I do want to <laughs> see, see this film. <laughs> And this is a prime time, so I will probably watch this in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, given this that one's I'll finish a, a few series. A good one, not my favorite, um, like not my favorite film or anything like that, but yeah, 
very, very well done. It's got all your favorites, which at this point, you just love seeing them pop up. You're like, where are they going to pop up in these films? Carla is phenomenal as well. She's amazing. She's such a good actress. And you see it so much in Usher. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But in this one, she's really good. And, and Bruce as well is in it. Yeah, from Bruce Usher. In, in yeah. Usher, yeah. yeah. And again, he's got some Easter eggs. Does a bunch to Stephen King. Yep. Um, but he's got one. Jesse's character throws a book, which is, again, Midnight Mass, Midnight at, Mass the at the dog, which is Cujo. Yep, so a little bit of Easter eggs for all of it. Fantastic. And this brings us to 2018. This is when he hits his stride, And I'd my say. probably favourite in that this is where I really fell in love with this guy's work, and it's The Haunting of Hill House, starring Michelle Hussman, um, Carla Gugino, Henry Thomas, Elizabeth Reza, Oliver Jackson-Cohen, Kate Siegel, Victoria Pedretti, Lily Wilson, McKenna Grace, Samantha Sloan, Annabeth Gish, Robert Longstreet, and a all couple of new people yeah. too that he hasn't used a ton more, which is why I haven't mentioned them all. Shannon's watched a couple episodes. Tell me what you thought. And obviously, yeah. did you find it because I was talking to you about it as like one of my favorites or? I'm enjoying it because I can't speak on all of it yet. It's obviously, mm-hmm. I'm only three episodes in. So it's very early on in the mystery of like what's happened, what happened in the previous time frame with this family. Why did they have to leave? What happened to the mum? Mm-hmm. Why is the little girl seeing all these, you know, apparitions as well? What happens to the daughter? Why did she do what she did in the first episode? Won't go into that. It's setting the scene really well. Like I'm really intrigued with the mystery and it's just adding that little bit of horror element just here and there, which is just really unnerving, which obviously he does really well. So there'll be a scene where it'll be looking, it'll be just a normal scene like during the day from the past and it's the mother talking to the two daughters about something and There's three daughters, but go on. I think they're, they're two in the scene. The older daughters? Yeah. Yeah. And about something outside, irrelevant to it. Anyway, they're having that normal conversation. You just, you're kind of just taking it in. And out of focus in the back of the ha- room, and this is just a normal, it's not a creepy scene at all. Nope. But you'll just see something just move through the corridor. And, um, and it's like that all the time. If you pay enough attention, you yeah. can see tons and tons of hidden ghosts. I've, I've seen a couple because I think you mentioned stuff like that happens before I started watching it. So I've been looking for it and I've, I've picked up on a couple and it's made me more intrigued to keep watching and what work out what's going on here. It's a very good, it's very good so far. The payoff is, is worth it. Definitely, definitely worth it. Yeah. Um, and obviously you learn a lot about each of the characters as yeah. it goes on. I, think I just you think were saying to me, and this was obviously what I was watching the first three episodes a couple of weeks ago. I think you were saying that like each of the kids represents one of the stages of, of grief. grief. Yeah. yeah. So you've got denial, denial. which is Stephen. Yeah. You've got anger, which is, um, oh my God, her name escapes me. Is it Katie's character? No, the older Shirley. Yes. Who yep. is a reference to Shirley Jackson, mm-hmm. the author. Um, you've got bargaining, which is Theo. You've got depression which is luke mm-hmm. and then you've got acceptance which is Nell. yes yep. yes yep and it's just it's genius i think when people or creators mm. writers whoever you want to say it they add in extra layers which doesn't take away from it you don't have to be super smart to catch it yeah but, but it's there it's there yeah there's that in Asha has that too mm-hmm. yeah and we'll get to that later yeah so hill house is definitely one of my favorites i think if you're into like, if this is more of a traditional horror than any of his yeah, others. Yeah, this is the, mo- it's the more, out of the ones I've seen, it's the most horror yeah. definitely than the other um, two. But it is, it's genius. There's an episode that comes a bit later and I'm not going to spoil it by telling you what's happening. No. But it's one of the, oh, it's just genius, genius filmmaking. Is and if you watch- the Coffin episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you watch a director's cut, which is on the DVDs, it's a little bit extended. Mm. But they built the house 
to do this episode. Yeah, okay. They, they genuinely physically built this house to shoot in and they cut four times. That's it. In the episode, they filmed it obviously like a play because they had to and it cuts, it starts in a funeral home, which is Shirley's house. It then cuts back to their childhood home. Mm-hmm. It cuts back to the funeral home and it cuts back to the childhood home and they, they filmed it like a play. They shot everything and they choreographed it and they did it also that the cameras can move the yep. kids and that like because obviously the kids in the, in the childhood home they can come in and out of shots yeah move beautifully around. move around each other it is insane and i don't think i've seen television do this before no you're in it and you can't get out and it's uncomfortable at times that's what you're supposed to feel and right? you're about i think it's about episode eight so you are deep deep in this family now like you care so much about them they're at their their worst in this episode like emotionally yeah it's just amazing. I will continue. I will continue watching this. I'll finish it. So that is Hill House. And I could talk about how much I love it, but we've got a lot to get through. So yeah. we got a couple more. Um, got three or four more. I last night watched <laughs> Dr. Sleep from 2019 starring Ewan McGregor, Rebecca Ferguson, Robert Longstreet, Katie Parker, Henry Thomas, and Bruce Greenwood. Again, it's directed by Mike. It's written by Mike. Um, obviously, Stephen, Stephen King, King is the original writer. Um and it's years following the events of The Shining and now adult Dan Torrance must protect a young girl with similar powers from a cult known as the True Knot who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. Yeah, now, I, did know, I did know that premise going into Didn't it. love this one. No. Um, not that Mike's work isn't good. The acting in it, the writing, it's all brilliant. But I think a follow-on from The Shining, it doesn't go far enough. It's no. And it's very long, very long for very little payoff. Two and a half hours is the rough... Runtime. No, that yeah. pretty much is the runtime. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and the problem with this one, which is no one's fault, is they tried very, very hard to pay homage to the original film and they recreate a lot of it. It's fantastic. It's like identical. Like the the yeah. manner and everything, yeah. It's crazy. And like Katie Parker does an amazing job as playing, um, oh, who was in the original? Who was the actress in the original? Oh. Who played the mum? I know the one. We know the one. Anyway. Yeah. Does an amazing job recreating her scenes. Yeah, okay. It's yeah, it's it's very very well done. But they're trying to pay homage to that. But they're also trying to pay homage to the book. Mm. And the problem is the book is, is a stronger like tie to the TV series they did of The Shining, which is closer to Stephen King's original book. So because they're working with two different yeah. sources and trying to marry them together, it's just messy. It doesn't it doesn't pay off enough? I think for either. But fans of the original show and the book. The book loved this. Yeah, fans of the original movie did not. No, which was kind of maybe me. I don't know. I think if I'd read the book, maybe I would appreciate it or watch the show. I might have appreciated it a bit more. It's hard. It's yeah. a hard job, especially to do. with the Stanley Kubrick film is very popular. It's mm-hmm. the most well known. Yeah, I didn't know that TV show. No, neither, neither. And I haven't read it, so mm-hmm. I can't can't say. But I do want to watch this eventually. Mm-hmm. I think I've got a few other things I'll get through first. Yeah, I, I don't think I'll suspect get to it very soon. Knowing it's Mike Flanagan as well could entice me a little bit more. Yeah, look, I wouldn't rush to this one over his other work. Yeah, okay. But that's just it. Um, then we've got The Haunting of Blind Manor 2020 starring Victoria Pedretti, Oliver Jackson-Cohen, Amelia Eve, Tanya Miller, Rahul Kohli, Henry Thomas, Carla Gugino, Kate Siegel, Katie Parker, and <laughs> Alexandra Esso, who yeah. we'll see later. Yeah. Created by Mike, written by Mike, and various others. A few others. This one, episodes. he really tried to bring in other people. It's directed by Mike and a couple of people. Mike did one of the episodes. Basically, at this point, he'd done yeah. literally everything on Hill House. He'd 
wrote it. Too much. He directed wrong, right? it. He helped edit it. Yeah. And he went, "This isn't sustainable," no. especially because he was he was booming. He was doing a ton of other projects at this point. Yeah. So he's like, "Yeah, I need to get some other people." That being said, loved, loved. Love yeah, you one. like this one. Mm-hmm. You really like this one. So this one is about an American nanny who's hired by Henry. And this one is basically after an au pair's tragic death, Henry, played by, again, Henry Thomas, <laughs> hires a young American nanny to care for his orphan Denise and nephew who reside at Bly Manor with the chef Owen, groundskeeper Jamie, and housekeeper Mrs. Gross. So essentially... This is based on the turn of the screw. I didn't love it when I first started watching it. I watched maybe two episodes. And, you're like, mm. and I was like, ah, this isn't it's not, Hill House. It's not haunting Hill Which is House. what I was expecting. I was yeah. expecting I to be scared shitless. They were. But I stuck with this one and realised the genius of what he was doing. This one is more of a gothic romance yep. than anything else. And it's really well done. The characters are like... You love them. Yeah. You're meant to love them. You do the kids are creepy. And it just follows this love story essentially mm. amidst ghosts. Oh, okay. Um, and it sort of I was watching the behind the scenes stuff. I don't want to spoil this because not a lot of people have seen it, Shannon included. But um Mike wanted to explore the idea of ghosts, but also the idea of like memories and what happens when you're lost to time. Okay. So that's kind of like thematically what this does. I don't want to like again get into so it like, it's hard to describe yeah, it without, without ruining anything what happens. okay yeah um but if yeah. anyone hasn't seen this or if you've seen bits and pieces on the internet and you're like oh i don't want to watch it because it's gonna rip my heart out blah 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 that's the point yeah it's yeah just so well done okay well it's spooky i like spooky. Yeah. i like spooky more than horror and there's like yeah the reveals in this are good like really good but again can't ruin it for anyone so that so is watch it. Blind Manor. Go watch it and then I'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll go back to us. Yeah. The next one, mm-hmm. Midnight Mass. Yay. I watched this one. I rewatched this one. Yeah, you did. So this one's starring obviously Kate Siegel, Zach Guilford, Samantha Sloan, Rahul Coley, Annabelle, Annabeth, uh, Annabeth Gish. Gish, Alexandra Esso, Henry Thomas again, Hamish Linklack. Link later. Link later. I don't like that do you one. you want me to go through them? Because I yeah, know these you names. Just do it. Hamish Link later, Igby Rigney. Well, I'd start the whole thing. And again. Anna Rosa Simone. I looked up this a lot and listened to people talk about them. That's why I can yeah, yeah. rattle it off. Yeah. So it's created by Mike, directed entirely by Mike, um, and written by him and a bunch of other people. Do you want to get into what it's about? Yeah, okay. It is an isolated community experiencing miraculous events and frightening omens after arrival of a charismatic, mysterious young priest. So this one is what I like to refer to more as a biblical horror. Because if anyone yes, is definitely not so. religious and isn't familiar with the Bible mm. – Surprise, surprise, pretty, pretty dark and creepy oh, at yeah. times. Like it is truly horrific, especially it, Revelations, which is like the last one, last book in yes, the Bible. Yeah. And it plays on that fact of utilizing certain scriptures or verses and stuff and really doubling down on how like dark and sinister they actually can be interpreted into. Mm-hmm. But it's not at the same time I want to like stress, this isn't something that disrespects Christianity or any of the biblical text. Mm. either it's very much like this is an interpretation of a lot of the stories yeah within the bible and talks about what happens when people take those scriptures and take it to the extreme and miss misinterpret misinterpret it yeah Yeah. 
and still take it to that extreme. Mm-hmm. It was really well done. Obviously, these these characters all play out on a community on an island separate from the mainland of US. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's East Coast near probably Louisiana area. I can't remember what coast it's off. It doesn't really matter. It's uh, sort of similar to, I think, Long Island, but yeah, not Long Island. Yeah, yeah, in that kind of area. And, yeah, this uh, main character comes back from the mainland. He's done some bad in his life. He spent four years in jail from accidentally killing someone while drunk driving. So he's joining back in with his family, his parents' like old community where he used to grow up. And yep. at the same time as he's coming back to the island is a young priest joins the church. Um, they say that the original old priest has gone off on a pilgrimage to the you know, Holy Land. Holy Land. And he's here to take over while he's away. The well, he's sto- come back, he's sick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. someone's going to take over. Someone's going to take over. Um, yeah, so it eventually develops from there. It, this, the first few episodes for me were a really slow burn. It's mm-hmm. obviously developing the characters and who they are, what they represent, the relationships in town between the particular characters. It's a very, very small town. So yeah, everyone knows, knows everyone. everyone. They grew up together. Business. It's complicated. Yeah. yeah. It gets to a point in about the mid part of the show because it's only at eight, eight episodes. So you get to about episode four or five-ish and you kind of get a real good understanding of what's happening, what's the real mystery here because there's definitely an element of supernatural in this as well. You get a clear cut of what the rest of the season is going to probably look like. And then it just plays out from there and it really kind of like takes off in this basically scary horror-ish drama for the rest of the last four episodes. And yeah, it's really, really well done I, without spoilers because I could say a bit more, but I'm not going to. I really enjoyed it. This one is definitely more of a drama than a lot of his other works so far. And something that I think Mike does really, really well and he gives his characters is these beautiful monologues. Yes. And there's one in Blood... Well, there's a couple in Haunting of Hill House. Kate has a really good one in episode... I think it's nine, I want to guess. Yeah, like it just such a good monologue. I can't spoil it. There's so it's, many monologues in Midnight Mass And as this well. one's very heavy on like... Speeches. The reveal yeah. in, in yeah. obviously um, Hill House. You've got another one that I adored in Bly Manor in episode like maybe four or five. Five. Yeah. Um. Just one of the characters is just sort of telling her life story and who she is, and how she just is over giving it to people. But at the same time, she's like, "This is life. Life is death. We keep going." And it's just so well done. Mm. Um. Obviously, there's like a couple in Midnight Mass. Yeah. There's a couple. Um, in Hamish Linklater, who is the priest. Oh wow. Oh my god. Like it does not cut away. And this guy the, wasn't a first choice. I should have been the acting from him. Stand out. He was Stand pretty out. much a last choice. Someone knew him. I can't remember who it was. Might have been Kate. I can't. Someone yeah. knew him and said, "Hey, just like let him." I think I read someone have he a was go. Like a, it was a Broadway actor, stage actor, yeah. essentially more than actor, yeah. And actor. they gave him a go, and they went, "It's obvious him. It can't be anybody else. else." I couldn't imagine anyone else playing the priest character. No. Yeah, he's just so good. And then obviously Kate has a couple big yeah. monologues, right and she. End ends out the series. Yes. And they're just so emotional. Yeah, really, really heartfelt, these ones. they gut punches. His monologues mm-hmm. punch you in the gut. Yeah, yeah, really well set, uh, set up. And then you get to that monologue you're like, oh, damn. And it's hard to put monologues in TV and make them feel natural. authentic yep. and natural and not like they're taking you out of the story. But he manages to just sneak them in there in the yep. most beautiful ways possible. And he doesn't cut. 
no. away. You can't look away. You just have to sit look. there with these characters. Yeah. Also, fun facts for this one. Um, Rahul Kohli and Mike love Joel from The Last of Us so much that they use it to inspire Sheriff Hassan's wardrobe. That's fantastic. Yeah. I did not know that. And yeah. obviously, I just watched it. So, I was like, oh, okay. I can kind of see yeah. that actually. Yeah. Um, and then another fun, well, I guess it's a fun fact. It more sort of explains why this series was made. Um, Mike was an altar boy as a child and thought that this one was his most personal work because it goes into Yeah. This was his pet project. That. I did read that as well. Mm-hmm. He's been wanting to make this for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. So, interesting. And Very it's good. funny too because I, I read or I watched a thing and um, obviously Mike does tons of, tons and tons and tons of ghost stuff. Mm-hmm. He does not believe in ghosts. Interesting. He's waiting for the day. <laughs> that it like, yeah, him, him yeah. and his wife will check into the most haunted hotels Nothing. and he goes, hey, you know, like the ha- most haunted room here? We'll take it. We'll take it. And she's yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> Please. And then he'll sit up all night and <laughs> wait. wait for these experiences. Nothing. Nothing. It's like me when I was talking to you. I'm like, I've had nothing. But I think that's why he tells such insane stories because he's yeah. not afraid of it because he doesn't believe in it. Yeah. So he can take it to the extreme. Whereas people that believe in it like, oh, no, thanks. Let's no, not no, go no, there. that's real. Let's not go there. Let's not go there just in case. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, genius stuff. Um, the next one. Yeah, we'll move into the next couple now because we're getting close to. Is The Midnight Club 2022 starring Iman Benson, Igby Rigney, Ruth Codd, um, Anara Kamoon, Ayo Fikawa, Soran Saboka, can't pronounce his last name, Matt Bedell, Samantha Sloan, Zach Guilford, Katie Parker. Yeah, okay. All of his fans. Yeah. Um, created by Mike and Leah Fong, written by Mike and a bunch of others. This was an adaption from a book series. Yeah, The Midnight Club. Yep. So this one is a lot less Mike's personal take because normally he'll he'll take like a classic and then he turns it on his head completely like Hill House in the original. There were just a bunch of characters that were in a mansion. Yep. None of them were family. There was none of that. He, he added he all of that, that in. Yeah. He very much reimagined Same with stuff. When we get to Asha. Yeah. Yeah. And Bly was the turn of the screw. Like, it's all that. This, he tried to stay more true to the books. And a lot of people didn't like this one, myself included, but it's aimed at teenagers. Yeah. And it's I'm like not a teenager. Teen horror. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't fault it because it did what it did. It needed to do. Really, really well. Yeah. Um, and it's a series following the Midnight Club, an octet of terminally ill teenage patients at Brightcliff Hospice as they gather at midnight to, to share scary stories. Yeah. And this one very much does a story inside a story. They'll tell a story, and while they're telling a story, those actors and those characters that are sitting around the table playing, become the characters the, in their own stories. Yeah. Yeah, that, so, yeah. That's a common thing with him as well. Very, very well done. That being said, not a lot of people's favourites. Yeah, okay. But it was more a project he was taking on rather than... His this is stuff. the next thing before he got into his next project. And I'll let you take the next one away because you've seen this one. So the next one is The Fall of the House of Usher. So this is an adaption of a lot of works by Edgar Allan Poe, in particular, obviously, The Fall of the House of Usher, which is a short story. Mm-hmm. But it does adapt some of the other ones into some of the episodes. In particular, they're kind of in there as well, starring Carla, is it Gugino? Do you want me to do this one? Uh, yeah, do the take starring because I can't. This is starring... Starring Carla Gugino, Bruce Greenwood, Mary McDonnell, Henry Thomas, Rahul Kohli, Samantha Sloyan, Tenny Miller, Zach Guilford, Katie Parker, Matt Bedell, Ruth Codd, Hamish, ha- uh, sorry, Mark Hamill, Kate Siegel, Saroyan Sapoka, Igby Rigney, um, Aya Fukara, Annabeth Gish, Robert Longstreet, Lulu Wilson, and it's directed by Mike and Michael Fumagani, yes. and it's written by Mike and a bunch of other people. Now, interesting fact with the cast. 
Bruce Greenwood was not the original um, patriarch of this one. So they had shot it with another guy whose name escapes me, but you can Google it and look it up. Oh, really? He was accused of sexual assault on some of the right. other things. okay. And they went, no, he's no, not on our not set. Not a chance. Yeah, Not a chance. They emergency reshot everything he's in. And if you've seen this one, guys, he's, he's in, in most, everything. He's in most of the scenes. He's yeah. the patriarch of the family. They, um, they emergency reshot it all. The stress That's wild. it must have taken. But they went, no, we're not, we're not going to no, be uh, these fair people. Fair on the double down, but like his character is in a car- He's he's Yeah, so the, the framing of the House of Usher is basically uh, his character, Bruce Greenwood, playing Roderick Usher, the patriarch of the family, talking to... What is called the narrator? Essentially, it's the it's the opposing lawyer of the case against the ushers, and he's explaining everything. He's like, "Thank you." At the start of the first episode, he's there. I'm gonna I'm gonna explain everything. Everything that happened in the last two weeks. What happened to my family? You're why gonna sit happening. there. Why it's happening? And you'll get everything you ever wanted from me in like a a story. So it's it's framed within a story within a story. Obviously, he's telling it, but Bruce Greenwood's telling there from the start, telling it, and then it goes back two weeks when all six of his kids are alive. And then it plays out the next two weeks. Well, one particular person per episode basically is yep. a centric kind of episode. And it goes through how each one of the children basically die um, in the lead up to the finale in the last episode of the full story of why they die. I'm With not going to spoil it. Without getting but into too much, can I ask you which one was your favourite? Did you have a favourite? <sighs> like, you know, character, character death, that kind of thing. Character death for me, probably the second episode. With the acid rain. Ooh, that one was so good. It was, br- it was it was so well done. And the noise when the lights go out and you can hear everyone. Uh-huh. That was probably the most interesting death. I think the most heartfelt character was the last one, which I won't say. I think you can work out which one that is. Um, yeah, it, it was. they were all genius deaths in my opinion. And they relate to the character's flaws. You know which one got me? And I mean, they all kind of got me. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was, and God, I can't remember her name. The one played, yeah. no, there's a lot, but it's the one played by Kate Siegel, the blonde. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the chimps. Oh, yeah. Because that, that was unknown. I know a lot about them because my sister's a, like. RSPCA. Yeah, she's done heaps of stuff. And um, chimps are vicious. And I was like, the dread I felt because I knew it was coming. Oh, and I'm yeah. Like, oh, God, if I have to see a chimp rip her face off. I'm not going to cope. And I'm so glad they didn't actually show they you that. They didn't actually show it. The eeriness from when the door uh-huh. randomly opens and then she's in the other corner of the room. And you're like, oh, I know what's coming. Yeah, yeah. And um, with her character, who, again, her name's escaped me, but what is – you cannot unsee it. She loved the character. Have you seen the 2000s film The Incredibles? Yeah. Do you remember the blonde in The Incredibles? Yeah. She loved her so much. She did that? She went, I want to do that. And if you look at it again – yeah, I will. You can't, you can't unsee can't it. Can't unsee it. Can't unsee it. Yeah, kind of okay. ruins it for you. Definitely does. Um, but that's what that is. Fantastic. I love that. Which, she, she was a great character. I really liked her character a lot, actually. I liked the bastards in it. They were the best. They were the best. The, the first three. Yeah. Yeah, the first three. I liked it. Rahul's character was fantastic as well with that cat. Oh, yeah. That nutter cat. Uh-huh. Just kept getting him. And Ruth Codd, amazing. So she's the one that plays his child bride wife. Oh, she was phenomenal. Yeah. Juno or June? Yeah, Juno. Juno? And Juno. she was in The Midnight Club as well. Yeah, okay. She Not was, an actress. She was hilarious. Not an actress. They found her on TikTok. Really? Because she got big on TikTok just talking about the world and living in Ireland yeah, and not yeah. having a leg because um, she really she doesn't have a leg. She actually doesn't, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they loved her, so they, they brought her in. and Yeah, phenomenal. She was so, so good. good. So good. 
I love the scenes where it's like they're talking about her and she's like, I'm still in the room. Yeah. And she's just like, oh, this is going to be a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she did really well. She was great. That whole story, I think, in this one is incredible. I Again, it's a bit more- It's not horror-y. Turned up to the, the nines where it's- <sighs> Some of it is a bit extreme yeah, in the stories they're telling. Violent. It um, just has flashes of violence. But it's still grounded in yeah. reality, which is it's, makes it work. It's it's got an element of supernatural through Carla's character. Mm-hmm. I loved her character. In she this. was so. Oh, cool. she's amazing. She's underrated. She's in a lot of stuff, but she's she needs to be underrated. Used more. She's great. She's but essentially don't plays use her more. Mike, let's just keep her. Death, unquote, unquote, mm-hmm. the character of death. She's not the Raven. She's the Raven. Yeah, but that as well. And when you get the full story at the end, when he finally wraps up the story, I was just like, yep, I'm on board. This was so mm-hmm. good. This was this is a really good ride. And it's it's about eight episodes. Yeah. Yeah. It obviously, like I said, it's a centric episode per episode on a particular family member. And obviously we'll see how that goes. <laughs> also, I loved the sister in this. The aunt character. Oh yeah. 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 So sinister. Uh, Madeline, mm-hmm. yeah, she was very loved her work. Great villain, mm-hmm. great villain. I didn't get, I didn't get the connection with the mother. You know how like he, the first part of the story, like in the first episode, he tells his story of like oh, the mother and yeah, how yeah. I think she passes, then she doesn't doesn't pass. So she I was gets up confused. Again. I don't think she ever died. I think they thought she was dead. I think they buried their own mother. No, they did. One hundred percent, I got that. Mm-hmm. But I think then it she, just. Dies, I think, when she kills the father. Yeah, she I lives think down it's the street, but more. This is where their unhinged behavior started, and this is why they're so comfortable doing unhinged things. But right, eventually, that okay. guilt will eat you alive. Yeah, okay. Which it does. It does eventually. In the very end. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. it's just like this is where these guys started, and this is why they're able to be so ruthless throughout their lives. Yeah. Um, and get into pharmaceuticals and all that stuff that is morally so grey. Yeah, and they play on that really well. It's a really smart script, I think. They started burying their mother alive thinking she was dead. Yeah, I mean. And what does that do to you? Who does that (laughs) make you? How cold is that going to make you? And you think they're not there, but then obviously with the flashback scenes and what they actually do, they're pretty ruthless to get to where they want. They keep a lot of secrets, the ushers, and that's what this is. This is the unraveling of their secrets and how essentially that That's what it means, the fall of the House of Usher. All of their children, Yeah. 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 Love it. Anyway, that kind of wraps up. Us on Mike, Mike Flanagan. Flanagan. Please watch some of these. The more Shannon watches, the more I get to talk about the ones that I actually love I'm more than any of them. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I'm glad you introduced his work to me, uh, his particular style, especially obviously through the Netflix series. Uh, it's what I've loved so much so far. Yeah, let's not talk about how I, how I find it. It's not good. Let's not do that. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> Moving on. If you keep watching him, I'll tell you how I found it. Alrighty. So as always, thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please give it a follow and you can find us on Twitter, Instagram and threads at Binge Lists or email us at Binge List and Box Office Hits at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a great week. Yes, thank you so much for putting up with uh, my inability to speak this week. Uh, I think you did an amazing job, Tish, for taking over basically most of the episode considering I'm having struggle <laughs> talking this week. Thank you. Finish Russian Doll and that's all we'll hear. That's all we'll hear. I will talk about that next week. I'm going to watch it tonight. Tune in for that, guys, or don't. Sorry. Yeah. Do the All right. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye.